Hi, welcome to Nashville Savvy, your podcast for all things Nashville that are savvy. I'm your host, Megan Lee Pitsedlik, with The Pamphleteer, and today we're going to hop right into some Nashville politics, our favorite subject here at Nashville Savvy. Uh, of course, this week was the beginning of the second, you know, the continuation of the 113th General Assembly. So those are all your legislators who pass all of our laws for the state meeting up. They meet up every year around this time and they take a couple months to, you know, pass some new bills. So we have had uh, before we jump into that, I actually want to talk real briefly. If you haven't checked it out, the redacted unredacted version of the Tennessee's lawsuit against Meta. So that's Instagram, Facebook, all things Zuckerberg has been released. Initially, when Attorney General Scrimetti announced that he was part of this bipartisan coalition of attorneys general who were investigating the practices of Meta, specifically regarding their data that they collected in terms of the addictive nature and the repercussions of the addictive nature of their platforms on the development of young brains, the... uh, you know, the large social media juggernaut that is Meta basically had all of the, the the information in the lawsuit redacted. I am pretty sure that um, it's called, uh, I don't know what the order is called, but basically the attorney general requested from a judge to have those be made so that they could be seen publicly. They were released, the full lawsuit was released yesterday. So now you can actually read all the studies, all the background information that's in that lawsuit against Meta. I'm not going to break it down. We kind of start to open uh, up a little bit of what is in there in today's pamphleteer. So make sure to check that out. But we're going to jump right into the dynamics of the Tennessee General Assembly, specifically because we have characters in there now, specifically people like Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, and Gloria Johnson, who was part of uh, that movement back last year when there was an expulsion hearing due to their protests that they held on the floor. Basically, those personalities have usurped the Tennessee General Assembly, at least on the House floor, not necessarily in the Senate. We don't see as much stuff going on in there. But regardless of what anybody is trying to get done, if anybody's trying to go up there and accomplish some good bills, all we hear about or tend to hear about is Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, Gloria Johnson, and this progressive movement that's going on in Tennessee right now. So I wanted to kind of unravel or unpack, or I hate that word unpack. It's like so corporate. I'm trying to give some context to the dynamics not really focusing on what's good, bad, or ugly as far as how politics are being played, but more what's happening, why it's happening, and what it could lead to as far as the dynamics between the GOP establishment, the supermajority that they hold in our house, versus this progressive activist-like wing of the progressive party led by people like Justin Jones. So we're going to start out with this video that uh, G is going to pull up for us, my producer here. And it's of Justin Jones speaking yesterday during the first official floor session. So I want you to hear what he has to say. Yesterday, I witnessed something that really appalled me um, that are related to these rules. Myself and the Republican majority leader, my friend William Lamberth, uh, were trying to get on the elevator and the speaker's security put his hand up to Lamberth and said, you can't get on with the speaker. 
He pushed our majority Republican leader and said, you cannot get on with the speaker. And so I want to make clear that these rules are not about Democrats versus Republicans, but it's about each of us as members and a speaker who is drunk with power. In these rules, a phrase that keeps Representative occurring. Reagan, you're recognized. Point of order. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Please use your microphone, please. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I ask the clerk to read from Mason's manual about disparaging comments for other members, and I hereby herewith call the gentleman from Davidson County to order. All right. So this is masterfully done by Justin Jones. Before we get into what exactly he said there, uh, and before you guys get on me for calling Justin Jones masterful, <laughs> the rules in as far as speaking during debate on the House floor are now, one, they've reduced speaking time to five minutes. So if you're speaking, um, trying to ex like expand on a topic and question things about a bill, you're limited to five minutes. And there's also rules about staying on topic. You can't just use the speaking time to platform whatever message that you want. You have to actually base your messaging or base your talking points on the business at hand. So that's kind of what you saw as Justin Jones went into calling Cameron Sexton junk with power. Uh, you saw that he was called to called into order. And basically at the end of this, they took 20 minutes, deliberated, voted and voted that Justin couldn't continue speaking, which is a gigantic waste of time. But I want to explain why this is masterful by Justin Jones. He frames this point so well, because not only did he pull a Tennessee GOP leader, majority leader into the conversation, specifically identifying Leader Lamberth, my friend Leader Lamberth. So it kind of showing this like kumbaya. It's not about partisan politics. It's actually just about this tyrant Cameron Sexton. And then making this point, this point that is made for headlines. It's a it's obviously already being used as a soundbite, drunk on power. People are, are now copying that phrase in every single time that they're referring to Cameron Sexton. So as far as PR goes, this was a masterful stunt by Justin Jones. And this is what he's really good at doing. And this is why they're trying to limit the time that they can speak, because they really don't talk about the business at hand as much as they are trying to bolster their profile in the media to get out their message. And so let's first point out that because Justin Jones is, ex is exceptionally does ex an exceptional job and knowing how to grab these headlines, does this mean that he's actually like, does this translate to him actually being good at doing his job? It depends on how you're looking at what his job is and if his constituents really care, do they really care about him passing bills or do they like the fact that they have a mouthpiece grabbing headlines up at the General Assembly. And for all those progressive blue dots in this vast red sea, the progressives in this state love this stuff. And the progressives across the country love to grab onto this stuff because the GOP lay up Justin Jones to grab these types of headlines. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But let's first look at Justin. There's various accounts of let's look at him doing his job. So he's supposed to grow up there. He's supposed to try to advocate on the behalf of his 70,000 ish constituents to get the things that they want passed 
passed, introduced bills, assess the things that his area needs, and then try to work with the rest of the people who represent the rest of the state to pass certain legislation to make the changes that his constituents want, or at least try to get closer to making those changes within this supermajority Republican uh, legislature. As of right now, it's a supermajority. It wasn't always a supermajority. And I want you to remember that it's not been that way forever, like for a long time, very short time. <laughs> so he, as far as that goes there, I have it on good authority that Justin Jones himself has basically separated himself even from his own caucus, the Democratic caucus. He's not playing kumbaya with anybody as far as getting the work done. Um, I have it on good authority that he doesn't attend Democratic caucus meetings. In fact, at the end of another floor session yesterday, Jones, or it might have been the same one, uh, Jones actually, after Leader Camper, who is the Democratic caucus and the, the minority leader for the Democrats, she called the Democrats to basically let them know that they were going to be holding a caucus meeting after the floor session and after work that day. And Justin Jones came out and said, well, I'm holding a progressive caucus meeting after uh, business today. And of course, he was called out of order. You can't just out of the thin air create a caucus. That's a whole other rule we're not going to get into. But it just shows you that this isn't just a fissure as far as like Justin Jones versus the GOP or the progressives and Democrats versus the state GOP. This is actually a fissure amongst the party and the progressives wanting the Democrats, if they're not going to play the game that the progressives are playing, they're going to do it their own way. So that was not just kind of a uh, barb towards Cameron Sexton because it actually goes against the rules to create a caucus without having it passed by the minority leader, the majority leader, and the speaker. So it wasn't just a barb at Sexton. It was a barb at the Democratic caucus, which apparently he has no interest in working with or apparently has had issues with working with. And this is a story that we'll be kind of covering a little bit more. And as far as those dynamics, democracy, of course, allows for the voice of the minority to not only be heard, but to work and have impact in shaping legislation. And uh, I think that once, once you look at how representatives are working for their constituents, this is where I go back to what is actually happening here. What's the actual strategy? Is Justin Jones trying to get any work done in this General Assembly as it is? Or is he just trying to destabilize the whole thing? And, and do his constituents care? Do they actually care if he passes anything? Or are they more than happy for this move that he's making to just basically destabilize the entire established Tennessee legislature? So I also want to pull up this graph real quick because this was interesting. So on the House floor, we saw, I think it was Jason Zachary and perhaps um, Jody Barrett who brought up, and I don't know if you could see it, but hopefully you can expand this if you're on your on your uh, computer. But basically, this is the debate speaking time given or during last uh, last year, over last year, for different uh, representatives during floor sessions. And this was, I tried to get the full entire graph from those representatives. I haven't gotten it yet. But basically, I put on the first, I think, about 15. You see the disparage, 
disparity between people like Justin Pearson, Justin Jones, um, Gloria Johnson, John Ray Clemens. There's a huge difference between how much time they're speaking versus how much time everybody else is speaking. Is that necessarily a, a like a undemocratic thing? Well, when you're talking about Democrats who literally the House has such a majority that if no Democrats showed up, they could still have full quorum. Then it's if you're looking at it in that way, okay, whatever. They're speaking their mind and getting their message out there because they really don't have a majority within the House. And anybody making an intellectually honest argument would say that. The problem is the packaging and the messaging behind how they're speaking from the floor and how they're they're bolstering this message that they are the voice for the people, while at the same time, all of the other people who are sitting in there are legislators who represent millions of people across the state. So yes, you're the voice of your people, but you're not the voice for all people. And the framing and the packaging, again, very masterfully done, especially if you're trying to disrupt how this system works. That is what's happening here. And you can go and look. I think that um, Zachary posted the actual sheet that has the time on it. If you want to go look at the original where I pulled this from, I haven't heard back yet either how exactly they extrapolated this information. But I just wanted to pull that up to show how the how the speaking time is going as far as on the floor and who's sucking the air out, out of the room and perhaps reflect a little bit on why that is. Now, let's go into, we could pull that down, G. But uh, let's go into the Republicans. And for their part, people like Jones are running circles around the GOTP with the political messaging. It's just a fact. You've seen it happen during session. You saw it happen during expulsion. And part of politics is persuasion. And Jones exploits the fact that Tennessee's supermajority hasn't had to work the PR circuits in the media with transparency for years, there hasn't been that need. I'm not saying that the Tennessee GOP and those legislators and those politicians aren't going around and talking to their constituents. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that they're not used to playing the media game. <laughs> so, and to be honest with you, they're not doing too good at it. I'll, like they're 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 trying sometimes. I think I I can't really tell. Sometimes I feel like they're adding more kindling to the fire. And um, when we look at uh, them failing, one thing is that they've had control over the legislature. And unfortunately for them, the lack of effective messaging and strategy around messaging throws the baby out with the bathwater. Because any good work that these uh, legislators have done across the aisle, bipartisan achievements, cordial diplomacy amongst other legislators and the characters that are in politics, all of that is discarded because of the one-sided narrative that is basically controlled by people who are good at it, like Jones. And within the House, it really tarnish, tarnishes uh, that reputation of a lot of these legislators. And to be honest with you, skeletons are also itching to come out of the closet for many of, uh, not on both sides of the aisle, but for especially because of the media and it being a super majority, usually uh, you're looking at investigations into the people who actually hold the power. And so we have a lot of those skeletons itching to get out. And some of those not so straight and narrow players that are on the chessboard are, you know, hiding amongst those in the GOP just as much as they're hiding amongst all politicians. And so we have this uh, PR issue due to the fact that people like Jones are so good at creating these narratives and grabbing headlines. What we're really watching is 
for is whether Jones's movement paired with this lack of messaging from the GOP is going to destabilize the entire apparatus uh, and cut a path for more radical figures to stake claim in Tennessee politics. But the, the better outcome, of course, would be if instead this would actually clear the way to clean house a little bit in the GOP on both sides of the aisle and make room for just better candidates writ large and perhaps hopefully in both parties. And the reason I say that those are the two options is because, of course, the one option is where everybody feels like it's, it, you know, it's going because of how, you know, how things are when it comes to the poor handling of controlling any of the media um, rebuttals. There's nobody, I wish we had like a, um, a Barrett in there because if we had somebody, <laughs> if we had somebody by like Congressman Barrett uh, in in Tennessee State General Assembly, it would be he would have these funny quips and you'd kind of be able to put people back in their place of like, OK, this is just performative or this is just ridiculous or you're just getting in the way of good people trying to go, do good work for their constituents, including in your own party. But instead, we don't really have any of those types of personalities, at least not that I've seen. I've seen some legislators do better at handling how to not give any fuel to people like Jones, especially with how they deal with them during public um, committee meetings and such, just so that they don't add any kindling to the fire. But overall, right now, the especially um, the the way that it's being handled is really handing a lot over to this movement that Justin Jones is trying to push within the general assembly. So that's kind of my two cents on it and laying it out a little bit more. There's so much more to talk about on this, but I just wanted you to look out for the possibilities of, is this a destable, is, is this destabilization? How's this going to pan out? Is it going to be for the better? Is it going to kind of clean house in both parties? And maybe we could come back with, with better politicians. Uh, are people going to be able to learn how to better package and message what they've actually done, the good things that they got done? And are Democrats going to get fed up with Justin Jones? Because I do have it on good authority that he does frustrate people within his own party who do actually have things that they want to get done. And they have business that they want to do for their constituents. And they feel that people like Jones kind of gets in the way. So that's our download of the Justin Jones General Assembly, all the whirlwind media debacle. Let's go into local corner. <laughs> I feel like this is partial. I'm partial to this. I'm going to pull up a picture of bagels. Yes, bagels. I say it like a northerner. I'm from New York. These bagels are from uh, H&S. Oh, those actually might not be the right bakery bagels now that I'm looking at the picture. But no, I think that they are. I think they're just tagged in that picture. H&S bagels. It's over in the gulch. And I want to tell you guys about this bagel shop because everybody always talks about proper bagel. And I'm telling you right now, you need to you don't sleep on H&S bagels over in the Gulch on 17th. They are so good. They actually have a um, filter. They filter their water to match like the mineral content of New York's water. You know, New York is known for the bagels. And they say it's because of the water quality and, and where the water comes from that makes them so good. And so when this gentleman opened this up, I think it was during after the pandemic uh he you know kind of his dream he grew up um 
making, I don't know what they call it, like when they make the bagels, but making bagels, I think in New Jersey. And so when he moved here, his dream was to open up this bagel shop. And of course, his dedication to the authenticity of the taste, I could vouch for it. I Every time I visit my brother and his wife, uh, they request for me to go and buy them at least a dozen of these. <laughs> so check out H&S Bagels. They're a wonderful place to stop in. They do close early. They're an early day shop. So I think they open at seven and on different days they close at one or three. So you got to get in there. But it's a great place to go on a Sunday, you know, before church or and grab a little snack or bring something for your friends. They're going to love you for it. But that is H&S Bagels. That's my local corner spotlight of something a little bit local today. Let's go into Metro Mayhem which isn't really mayhem today, but. <laughs> Metro mayhem. So sometimes I feel like these get really, really, uh, I mean, they're always meant to be fun, funny, cute, or just ridiculous. That's what Metro Mayhem is about. There's always something to doing, always something going, always something doing over here in Metro. And we don't have a city council meeting for the new year until next week, but I wanted to point out that Hub Nashville has uh, Freddie O'Connell in his effort to be a um, customer service mayor has launched the new platform for Hub Nashville. Now, if you don't know what Hub Nashville is and you live in Nashville, you should check it out because it's a place where you can go and you can file different um complaints, issues, get some updates, get some data. Specifically, I've heard people use it when their lights on the street go out, you know, when your your street lamps go out. Sometimes they don't get replaced for a really long time. You could pull up Hub Nashville. You could go to the section that addresses that, and then you can actually file um, a request and say, hey, this light is out. And they're really responsive because they usually just don't know when a light is out or something like that. And there's lots of different, I really encourage you to check out Hub Nashville just because there's so many different things that you didn't even know are on there. And they're trying to make it more approachable and they're trying to make it easier to navigate as far as uh, the constituents and the people that live in Nashville, Tennessee. I will say something about the lights on a complete Megan tangent as usual. We are talking about switching over to all LED uh, lamps here in Nashville. And one of the things about the new LEDs and everybody has, you know, LEDs are a contentious topic and for a myriad of reasons that um, some of them I completely agree with. As far as outdoor lighting goes, though, the lamps would notify um whether or not the light goes out. So that would be something that would be a new upgrade if we get these new LED lamps in Nashville, Tennessee, is that the system would actually be notified if a light went out, which is which is obviously efficient and something that is positive about replacing the lamps with LEDs. And of course, they do have farther reach as far as lighting goes. That's a whole other discussion. And I'm not trying to, to stake a claim on either side of this issue, but I just thought that was an interesting little tangent, but something that Freddie O'Connell mentioned about Hub Nashville is something called, I thought this was so funny, it's something called the um, Hubagachi, <clears throat> excuse me, Hubagachi, apparently some type of little, um, if, you're, if your problem is an emergency, it's kind of like a little guy, it's like a chat 
bot thing that you can talk to and try to get answers answers to questions. He's called Habagachi, and uh, and in when when Freddie O'Connell announced this, I couldn't ha- help but laugh at some of these tweets. People were requesting what Habagachi looks like. There's this one picture I'll show of a post of the Habasaurus. And um, this was funny, but my favorite post was this post about Hubnashi. They want him to look like Hubnashi. I liked the Hubnashi or we riot, which is hilarious. So we'll see what Habagachi looks like here coming soon. <laughs> so that's my Metro Mayhem. It's not really mayhem as much as just people having fun on Twitter and definitely talk out Hub Nashville if you live here. We're going to close things out with a compilation kind of, not really, just two videos I put together uh, regarding our mayor, Freddie O'Connell, for fun. One, because they're just... They, they're just so funny to me. One, of course, is him DJing, which he was very brave to do. He was did some hip-hop DJing during the New Year's Eve, uh, rocking New Year's Eve Nash Bash. And so, and, <laughs> and like I said, the man was brave to go out there and play some hip-hop for Nashville. And I absolutely find it, like, I'm, I find it kind of, adorable but at the same time hilarious and then there was also a video put out by news five that just i think it was put out on january 4th and the tone just did not hit guys like how they framed this up and i don't know why they did it this way but he was kind of they were highlighting the the mayor in the wake of the tornadoes and it really i felt like it it just hit wrong i felt like it took away from the actual experience of um the victims it kind of sounded like he was a victim of the tornado. And so I just wanted to close out on that for today, but thanks for tuning in. I will see you guys next week. And like I said, please check out the AG and his lawsuit because that's super interesting. We'll be talking about all this stuff going into the new year. Have a good day guys. Not surprisingly, the devastating tornadoes that struck just a few weeks earlier were still top of mind. But if you were in the path of the tornado, I mean, it it leveled entire buildings. I think the hardest part for me was arriving to the first confirmations of casualties, right? Yeah.